You know how GQ has that best dress list every year? Yeah. I think we need one of those. Oh, for sure. Who can you trust if not teenage girls when it comes to fashion? And we can totally judge who's best dressed and passing the clay test. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Welcome back to another episode of Hold On To Your Racket Podcast. Today is March 20th. Nope, no, April 20th. April. <laughs> sorry. That, I'm sorry. March passed by so fast. But um, still, anyways, we're back with another episode. And not only is today episode 55, it's also <gasps> Sharapova's mm. birthday? Yeah, Maria Sharapova's birthday is today. She posted a pic. I don't know if she posted it on Instagram. She did tweet it. Um, a picture of like her birthday cake. It was one of those like Japanese crepe cakes with like the mm. whipped cream in the middle. It <laughs> looks really good. So good. It looked really good. And uh, we were talking about this before, but you know, Sharapova's retired now. But a fun little fun fact is, for me at least, Sharapova was the player who like she was the first player that I was a tennis fan of, and I started watching tennis because of Sharapova. Like my parents used to always have tennis on the TV. And I always thought it was boring, whatever. My dad would always be watching the men's matches. And I was like, ugh, why do you want to watch these guys play such long matches? Like, this is so boring. <laughs> and then when Sharapova came on, I was like, oh, she seems pretty cool. So I used to watch her matches and then got into that. So she was the one who made me a tennis fan. So you can, in theory, thank Sharapova for my tennis obsession. And therefore, the podcast exactly so technically not only is it sharapova's birthday but by connection (laughs) that's a bit much (laughs) but like you were obviously attracted by the bling the swarovski crystals (laughs) wait i loved that dress of hers that she wore at the u.s open you were iconic iconic so it was so pretty and then she beat halep in the first round and it was oh it was such a perfect a perfect U.S. Open match right there. And we will be talking about more, like, outfits later on, so. Oh, stay yes, tuned for stay that. tuned for that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty soon, actually. Some very, mm-hmm. very much, much-needed convo. And before that, we're going to start off with some recaps of last week's tournament, starting with Monte Carlo, where Stefano Tsitsipas won his Woo-hoo! first ATP Masters 1000. He defeated Rublev 6-3, 6-3, and I'm just going to say it, I was right. From, what was it, before the first, before he played, definitely, because he yeah. had a bye in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, before I even saw him play, I predicted him as a winner, and Very I am going to be talking about that for so long. I think a lot of people, maybe, he went very under the radar in terms of people picking him for predictions mm-hmm. and stuff. I for think sure. a lot of that, um, maybe, I don't even, I don't even know why. Maybe it was because he was in Djokovic. I think because he was in Djokovic, people were expecting a Djokovic-Nadal final. 
Um, so I, I would say that's probably we've why had we, enough of that. We've had <laughs> enough of that. I think that's probably why um, you know a bunch of those players went under the radar in the semifinals were probably what no one expected. But um, we were talking about this a little bit in our last episode. But Steph is a really good clay court player. He reached the finals of Hamburg last year, the semis of Roland Garros last year. Um, Josephina, you mentioned that he's also had good clay seasons even before that too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to see him carrying that through here as well, especially because it's probably not the same vibe. You know, you're playing, usually you would have like a year between the clay seasons, obviously with the new schedule and stuff. It kind of feels like they just played Roland Garros with the clay season is back so soon. It was like six but, months ago. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was awesome to see him win. And he was, it was really nice also because his family was there. Um, oh my god, so, that picture yeah. that they posted hugging his dad after the win. Oh my god, tears. Well, not tears, yeah. that's a bit dramatic, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, we're in the dramatic mood today, as always. Um, but, you know, while this was an amazing tournament for Steph, we also had a bunch of other players do really well. Um, our Two of our semifinalists, Andre Rublev and Daniel Evans. Yes, Daniel Evans, a clay court Masters 1000 semifinalist. We're going to talk about that in just a sec. Um, defeated... Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, the two guys who everyone thought were going to be in the final. So Rublev defeated Nadal 6-4, 4-6, 6-2, which was an amazing match, actually. He was, um, I think Rublev was up a break in the second set and then lost that break, and Nadal ended up winning the whole um, set there. But Rublev did a really good job of regrouping. Um, and it takes a lot of poise to do that. So that was definitely impressive. And then Daniel Evans, um, whose record on clay before Monte Carlo was actually four wins to 13 losses. He's not known to be a good clay court player. Ended up defeating Djokovic 6-4, 7-5. I mean, obviously in both of these matches, Nadal and Djokovic weren't at their prime level of play. But either way, I mean, if you're playing one of these guys and you see yourself in a winning position, it takes a lot of mental strength to kind of stay, like keep your head in the game and, you know, pull off that upset so but yeah dan evans finally made the breakthrough on clay and he also made the doubles final um at monte carlo and lost in a tight three set match so um pretty good weeks for those two guys as well as well as for our other semi-finalist yeah we have casper rude who has actually been out with injury since the australian open part of that abdominal little What's it called? What did we call it again? Like a It's so hard to say. Abominable abdominals. The, the exactly. plague of the abominable abdominals. Exactly. And because of that, he didn't have that great of a start to the season. But now he was back on his favorite surface, Clay. And he did make the Rome Master semifinals just last year. So he's kind of, maybe this will still be a regular thing. Like two days ago, the 2020 <laughs> Clay season was literally, literally two days ago. <laughs> And then, again, here he made it to the Monte Carlo semifinals, and he even had to save match points in his round of 16 match versus Pablo Carreño Busta. And, I mean, Casper Ruud is definitely a player that I've had my eye on for a while, and he's kind of one of my favorites, but I've only recently convinced Shravia to, like, kind of be his yeah. fan. No, we have these things where, like, we've con- we we've been a fan of a player, um... Maybe it's, like, for a little bit of time, maybe it's for a longer time, but we, like, convince each other 
to sort of get on the train or in other situations we'll become fans of a player at the same time like together that's kind of what happened with like Jennifer Brady and Ash Barty we both Mm -hmm. kind of became fans of them together um for Grigor Dimitrov, I've talked about this. I mean, I used, I was a fan of his, and then I brought Josefina along on the train. Josefina's in the same with me for Casper Root. So um, he has the hotter stamp of approval for being, <laughs> um, you know, for being liked by both of us. Yes. But speaking of these guys, these ATP men did not disappoint with their fits at Monte Carlo last week. Um, we picked our five favorites. We ranked them. I know there was a lot of discourse going on about this because people were really intrigued and um, happy about the outfits because sometimes the brands either deliver or sometimes they crash and burn and give us the most boring outfits or ugly outfits ever. In Monte Carlo, thankfully, they did deliver. So let's go through our top five. We're Gonna, these are our top five, again, our top five favorites, so we're going to start with our fifth favorite and then go all the way up to our uh, top choice. Yeah, starting with the fifth, Rafael Nadal with his pink and purple set. I mean, we've definitely seen him wear pink before, and he did not disappoint with that, but he kind of brought it back here, and it looked awesome. He did not look like an Easter egg, which usually <laughs> happens when people wear purple and pink together. So I don't know how he did it, but he managed to do it. And of course, he had that signature headband. This time it was pink. So he really pulled it off. Yeah, I really love the color combination. Rafa always wears really bold colors, um, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, a lot of people were uh, likening his outfits to nerds, like the candy, um, <laughs> because it's very similar in the purple and pink shades. I loved it. Maybe my only critique would be that I think that it matching with the court color, it was a bit, it was like the, the purple sometimes was maybe like a little bit uh, jarring with the orange of the clay. I don't know. I think there were some other outfits. Like the clash. Yeah, I think there was there were some other outfits that complemented the clay better. But the yeah. outfit itself was amazing, and I My think he looked part great in it. Were definitely the sneakers. I thought the sneakers were so like sleek. I'm pretty sure they had his name on them. I mean, he's yeah. on a doll. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. He de- this was definitely one of his uh, great outfits of this past couple months so far. All right, in number four, we've got Stefano Tsitsipas, the champion. Now. While we saw most players at Monte Carlo go with more pastel colors, maybe lighter colors, um, Steph actually had, well, Adidas um, had this kind of red and black thing going on, which I absolutely loved, surprisingly. This was kind of, I would say, if there was a dark horse in the outfits department, this was the dark horse. Quite literally, because it was darker colors, but also because, like, it was very different from what everyone else was wearing. It was, uh, he wore a red shirt, black shorts, black headband, black socks, black shoes, but it looked very sleek, you know? Yeah, I it was really not... liked this one. And I, I really liked it. such an improvement from, like, that neon yellow color they had oh, before. Oh, God. At that the Australian was a Open? for oh, sore God. eyes. Quite literally, yeah. It was not a nice color. Um, but, I mean, honestly, the red and black, not only was it sleek, professional, it suited Tsitsipas very well. I also thought that it did match pretty well with the clay and the... I mean, oh, not that sure. that's Not that that's, like, you know, as big of a deal as maybe some of the other categories for but outfit. But, like, everything uh, should kind of... It should incorporate exactly. everything. It's the exactly. atmosphere, man. Exactly. And I think he... I think a lot of it is that he was able to pull it off. I don't think this is an outfit that anyone could pull off, 
True, um, very but true. But I think that, you know, I also think that the headband added a lot to it. I mean, he always wears a headband, but, like, it just, it, it, it was a good one. I liked this. Yeah. So, next for third, we have Fabio Fognini with his light blue, similar to Chapo's light blue from the Australian Open, I believe. And mm-hmm. he was wearing Armani. Like, that is a designer brand. Yeah, he's so. the only guy who wears Armani. The only other tennis player that I've seen wearing Armani is Kudermatova. And she's obviously, you know, on the WTA side. Um, but I loved this color. Yeah, the color was really nice. Um, it's kind of like an oceany sapphire kind of thing going on. Ooh, look at this. Look mm-hmm. at this color naming scheme going Look at on those actually, descriptions. Yeah, we're actually, we're, we always zoom to record our episodes, and I'm seeing a very, like, a, a similarity between the wall paint on Josefina's bedroom wall and Fabio's <laughs> shirt. I think there's a similarity there. And he had, you know, he topped it off with some black wristbands and a black headband. So I thought it was very well put together, and it, it contrasted nicely with the clay. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was kind of bright, but not in the way that it's, like, annoying bright. It was, like, bright as in it attracts your eye in a good way mm-hmm. all right moving into our top two this the one in our second spot was one of my favorite outfits of the entire season i absolutely loved this it was so good no one else was wearing it i don't think um he looked so awesome in it it suited him so well casper rude's yonex pink outfit it was amazing if Amazing. you can't hear, if you can't hear Shravia tur- turned um, Casper Ruud fan here, I don't know what you're listening <laughs> to. The pink was just, I first of all, I think Rafa wore pink, uh, the Nike kids had pink, Casper wore pink. Um, I think it's awesome, I mean, like, to see the guys wearing pink, I mean, sometimes I would say that they're kind of, the brands might be scared to do that, but they all looked so good at it, and I yeah, think that... Yeah, something about breaking those gender norms, man. Exactly, exactly. It, it just looked amazing. I think that they did a good job of not overdoing the pink, because, you know, the, just the shirt was the statement. Um, they had that, there was a bit of a pattern there, so um, that looked nice as well. I remember before his semifinal match, Rude posted on his Instagram story, should I go with the white and gray outfit or the pink and white outfit tomorrow? And every and the vote was so skewed towards the pink. People on Twitter were like, is Casper really asking this on his Instagram story? <laughs> Does he really think that there's like, you know, any sort of competition between those two outfits? Because it obviously has to be the pink. Yeah, I love this one too. I think the pink really complemented the clay in such a nice way. And the fact that there was different shades and they didn't clash. And I don't know how he made the pink and white work because sometimes that can go very wrong. But just, I don't, it's just so good. (laughs) It really was. Drumroll please for our number one choice. We have Andre Rublev and Grigor Dimitrov wearing the another pink kit from nike this time with burgundy shorts the burgundy really adds something i mean the burgundy, i oh, love the burgundy. burgundy on anyone yeah, and it might have been kept because the bur- it might have been because rublev and dimitra were wearing it but i think it would have worked on anyone <laughs> <laughs> um the burgundy has been carrying through for the past couple weeks now and into next week too i mean looking a little ahead into what fashion looks we're seeing this week i saw tiafo wearing the all burgundy musetti wore i think a couple weeks ago um shapo has going on with the shorts the burgundy is a vibe i'm absolutely loving it but the combination with the pink 
on Rublev and Dimitrov. So good. So good. So, ugh, just like, it was, uh, I I think that um, oftentimes we've been seeing a lot of, like, the Nike players wearing the same color, you know, the same color shirt and the same color shorts. Mm -hmm. And, like, okay, the color is nice, but, like, you could, you know, amp it up with the combinations here. Exactly. These two guys did just that. And that's why they, it was simple, right? It wasn't too much. It was perfect. Um, the combination, the solid colors, the material, the shirt had some kind of like uh, some sort of texture going on. If you look in closely, but there's like some it was line, just like look. shiny line or something like that. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking to get, I would say personally, in my opinion, if you're for whatever reason <laughs> looking to buy men's tennis clothes for yourself or for someone go with this kit or like one of the elements of this kit. oh for you sure you can't go wrong with it like rublev is wearing all black like headbands and wristbands and dimitrov is wearing all white headbands and wristbands and it works with both looks like it, it matches anything looks. yeah and if it's it was just so good i it gave me hope because i think some of the nike outfits this year have been a bit boring except the yeah. shuffle one yeah this <laughs> yeah. this was good they moved into some warmer colors i was very happy they with need this. to expand their color palette exactly don't people say that for food expand your palette see yeah i guess uh-huh. yeah they, they need to do that very funny joke josephina thank you <laughs> anyway so moving forward and unfortunately past the outfits um Astra Sharma won her first WTA tour title at Charleston. This was a WTA 250 event, and she defeated Anjabor, the first seed, 2-6-7-5-6-1. And it was definitely sad to see Ons lose, but um, Astra Sharma is kind of on brand with what we've been talking about recently, especially with, what was it, episode 53 that we had with some UC San Diego girls, the... Um, d1 players that we had on the podcast to talk about their experience with college tennis well Astra sharma also played college tennis at vanderbilt so that's pretty awesome and she will now be ranked 120 so big moves for her and actually this was kind of an awesome win for her because just the week before she was actually the like involved in this really careless officiating error in her match at one of the tournaments in uh, WTA tournament in Bogota just a couple weeks ago. So here's what happened. She was up a set and the second set score was one all and she was up love 30 on her opponent's serve. So then her opponent hit the ball out and so Sharma should have been up love 40, right? But the umpire made an error and called the score 30-15 in favor of Sharma's opponent and Sharma didn't notice the error at first and then she missed the next return and even though the score now should have been 15-40 the umpire called it as 40-15. She still didn't notice um, but Sharma won the next point and then walked to her chair thinking that she had won the game which she in reality had because the score should have been 15-40 but the umpire continuing with his mistake called the score as 40-30. So then Sharma got an argument with the umpire. The umpire was like, well, do you remember how you won those points? Like, prove it to me. Like, because the umpire thought he was right. Sharma was like, no, I, I swear the score was in my favor. But Sharma couldn't remember how she won those points because obviously when you're playing in a match, you don't remember every single point that you yeah, played and how you won them. Yeah. And also, like, at the, I feel like at the pro level, like, the umpire should know the score, 
and that's the their job. job. <laughs> they're there <laughs> to make your job easier. <laughs> yeah, it's so unbelievable. So then the umpire was like, "Well, if you can't remember how you won the points, then you can't get those points back." So the score was forty thirty, which was wrong, but the score remained forty thirty as the umpire said. And her opponent won the next point, and then her opponent ended up walking away with the game that Sharma was supposed to win. And her opponent ended up winning the entire match. And obviously that's an important game too because she was about to break her opponent's serve. So afterwards, Asta Sharma took the social media and said, update, WTA supervisor said I should learn my lesson and focus more on the score instead of my tennis in the future. Thumbs up, sarcastically, of course. My confusion is not an excuse. So this was a big controversy that day. But what a way to rebound from that and win your first title the next week. Yeah, honestly, what a like, like a not it's more of a slap in the face. Like, really? You thought you could really get away with that? No, look, now I'm moving up in your ranking. So watch out. So now we're going to move into the tennis talk we have going on this week. So present tense instead of past tense like we had before. So we have the Barcelona ATP 500 tournament going on with the top seeds being Rafael Nadal, Stefano Tsitsipas, Andre Rublev, Diego Schwartzman, Roberto Batista Gut, Pablo Carreño Vusta, Shapovalov, and David Goffin. So, I mean, there's one name that's definitely sticking out to me here, and that is Denis Shapovalov because his new look is definitely a controversial one, but something we can definitely discuss because he before he had that vintage Shapo thing going on with the longer hair, more like a little more than chin length, I want to say, but definitely not yeah, shoulder length. Hair. Mm-hmm. Longer hair, backwards cap. That's always been the Shapo look. The backwards cap pulled all the way to the tightest uh yeah set it <laughs> yeah. so that, that the thing the is like flap. flopping yeah exactly but now he's cut it short and is sporting a headband a headband so, hmm. this has caused quite the uproar on uh tennis twitter i'll say even the atp instagram noticed and or social media accounts noticed and they were like shapo's got a new look or something they posted a gif of that mm-hmm. so josephina we're both big Shapo fans. I know you're a huge Shapo fan. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit in Hot Headlines. His new outfit is amazing. But looking at the hair itself, do you miss the vintage Shapo look? Or are you kind of vibing with the short hair and the headband? Oh, I for sure miss the old Shapo look. I'm not saying this one's bad, but I'm just saying, like, he can work on growing it out. I'm ready to go back to the old look now. We've seen this one already. It's been a <laughs> solid three days. I'm good. I'm good now. I agree. It's not bad. It's good. But there's just something about the vintage one that I'm missing. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Like, imagine Andre Rublev with his long hair if he cut it mm-hmm. to what Shapo has now. Like, Oh, my God. That would not work. Yeah. We, yeah. So exactly. the fact that he could pull it off, I guess. That's what I'm saying. All right, going back uh, into the actual tennis portion of this tournament, <laughs> um, we just we just told you the top seeds in the tournament, um, but we also have some other dark horses or players to watch. Um, our first one is Kanish Corey, who is a player who's done really well on clay. He had a great win today. He came back from a set and a breakdown um, against Guido Pea. Pea was uh, serving for the match, actually. Um, and Nishikori ended up winning that match in three sets, so that was pretty awesome for him. Uh, I believe he's in that 
Nadal's section of the draw. Um, and then the other player is Dan Evans. I mean, he just had that great success in Monte Carlo. Before that tournament, he really was not known for being a good clay court player. So it'll be interesting to see how he backs up that performance in Barcelona. And then we have some interesting matches <laughs> coming up. Definitely painful Interesting ones. slash painful, yeah. yeah. Um, Lorenzo Musetti is going to play Felix Auger Aliassim. First of all, that match on its own is like... For us, because that, we're it's, such it's fantastic, big fans but of both exactly, of them. we're su- exactly we're such big fans of both of them. We don't know who to pick. There's definitely people who like when both their faves play against each other because they know it's going to be whatever, either a high quality match or like they're going to be happy for whoever wins. But I just don't want either of them out of the tournament so soon. Yeah, exactly. So early in the tournament, and not only that, but one of one of them, whoever wins already with one of our favorites gone, has to play Denis Shapovalov. Even bigger exactly. pain because now Even out of three pain. of our like biggest favorites in the tournament, one of them is going to be left after what like the second round, second or third round. Yeah. Oh my god. In terms of the match itself, I think I might honestly be giving Lucetti the edge just because he's had a few more clay court matches on his belt so far in the past few weeks and has done pretty well uh, in those tournaments. At least in the um, he played one in Italy a couple weeks ago, I believe. Or um, he played in one of the 250s a couple of weeks ago, which he did decently. And I, if I remember correctly, he ended up um, beating Dan Evans in that one. I, I, yeah, I think he beat Dan Evans in that one. Um, but either way, I think Musetti has a few more clay court matches under his belt, so that might be advantageous to him. But another entertaining match that we have upcoming is Alexander Bublik versus Alex Stevenor, which is a rematch of the Antalya final at the beginning of the year, um, which Alex ended up winning. Well, Alex Stevenor ended up winning because Bublik retired from that match. A funny Bublik moment from today Bublik never uh, fails to serve funny moments. <laughs> he was losing 2-5 in the first set versus Davidovich Fukina um, in a match that he ended up winning in three sets. And Bublik said to himself in Russian, effing useless clay, I hate it. Thank God I drew Davidovich and not someone ranked 600th, which would have made me look like an effing clown. <laughs> so there's that Bublik energy for you. I actually love Bublik. He's so entertaining. He's definitely one of the funniest guys on tour. If you listen to his like post-match interviews, he's a really funny dude. He's not problematic. Like, no... He- He's controversial just because he hits, like, the underhand serves. Like, who cares? Oh, my God. There's that one video of him hitting that serve versus Christian Oh, Garin. my God. He got um, so last mad. Garen got so mad. Garen's actually another player to keep your eye on um, in this tournament. I think he's also... He's playing Nishikori, I think. Yeah. Um, in the next match. And Garen's a... Great play player. Yeah. So, whoever comes out of that match is going to be um, a tough... A tough opponent, possibly, um, for Nadal in that section. But, again, it's Nadal. Um, The only other uh, kind of interesting match that we've got going on is uh, Yannick Sinner versus Roberto Batista Agut. Um, They just played in that epic three-setter in in the Miami quarterfinal where Sinner ended up winning. But, obviously, this is clay, a new surface, a new tournament. So, um, that should be an exciting one. Josefina, do you think Yannick's going to take this one? Um, yeah, but, I mean, I already, I was talking to Shravi about this. I feel like Yannick, I'm going to start picking him less to win things because he's had his fair share of victories. I feel like he's, like, one of those young players that's going to have a little valley and now, and then You don't want him to burn out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing with... 
we're kind of seeing that a little bit with Sophia Kennan, right? She had such a great 2020. Mm-hmm. And then this year, well, I mean, she obviously had appendicitis, and that's been tough to recover from. But um, I I'm, I hope for our young faves, especially since they are put under the spotlight so much, as <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Consistent success. Um rather than a big boom and then just like for like a few months (laughs) yeah exactly Um, so speaking of favorites and we're gonna go into our predictions and personal faves kind of thing that we do for tournaments now starting off with my favorite i mean pick to win pick to win the tournament just to be clear (laughs) my pick to win the Barcelona ATP 500 going on the week of April um, 18th uh, is Fabio Fognini. Interesting? Yes. But the thing is that he won Monte Carlo, what was it, last year or the year before? The year before, yeah. yeah. So obviously he has clay potential. And since he didn't defend his Monte Carlo title, pff, who's to say he won't <laughs> win this one? <laughs> hey i'll take it um as long as he's wearing the same you know outfit i'll be rooting for him too fabio is an entertaining guy so i wouldn't mind him winning the whole thing but there we go josephina is making another bold atp prediction so we'll see how that fares out given her you know track record so far it could very well happen um i'm gonna be boring and pick the same person (laughs) i picked at monte carlo which is nadal now for Nadal fans, his loss in Monte Carlo, I don't think it's like, in no way, I don't think that's concerning. He lost to Diego Schwartzman at Rome last year as well and ended up winning the French Open. You know, it's been a while now that Nadal has won those clay court tournaments before the French Open consistently back-to-back. RG is like a totally different arena for him. But I think Nadal, based on his post-match comments and interviews after that loss to Rublev, he gave credit to his opponent, but, you know, it was a weird match for him. Um, and he's like, now I'm going into Barcelona, a new tournament, and I want to win. It's his home court. Uh, he, The main stadium there is even named after him. Um, I think he's going in. I think that loss against Rublev is going to make him even more sort of driven to take the trophy um, in Barcelona. So that's why I'm picking him. Interesting, interesting. Actually not, because it's basic. <laughs> it's really not interesting. <laughs> it's basic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we're going to see our personal favorites, so not someone that might 100% we think would win, but definitely someone that we would want to win. And I think for both of us, Shapovalov, yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, I mean, you, you guys heard how much we're Shapovalov fans now. Hopefully his outfit can take the trophy. That would be really fun. And his new hair look. Maybe that'll bring good luck or something. Maybe. All right, moving on to the WTA side. We haven't talked about the WTA in so long because of the freaking stupid ATP only Monte Carlo Masters. So many Masters week. coming up. <laughs> um, but this is WTA Stuttgart. It's also a 500 level event, just like Barcelona. Our top seeds are Ash Barty, Selena Halep, Sofia Kennan, Alina Svitolina, Arvina Sabalenka, Petra Kvitova, and Belinda Benchit. So stacked field. But not only do we have top seeds, we have some dark horses, a.k.a players to watch out for um or keep an eye on as well yeah here we have maria sakari ekaterina alexandrova marquette marquetta vondrasova the roland garo finalist in 2019 and the rome semi-finalist last year in 2020 so definitely some people to look out for there 
Right, and we've actually got a few of these top seeds and dark horses clashing against each other just in, you know, the next round. So we've got two interesting matches upcoming, Maria Sakura versus Petra Kvitova. Petra Kvitova is kind of like the Dennis Shapovalov of this tournament. She's just going to be going against her faves again and again. Um, so, you know, Kvitova just beat Jennifer Brady which in straight sets, which is a great win for her. Sad to see Jen go. Um, but Kvitova is also the defending champion from 2019. Um, so the head-to-head between Sakura and Kudova is tied. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. Sakura is obviously coming off of that amazing run in Miami where she reached the semifinals. Um, so I'm excited for this one. Oh, and then we've also got, sorry, I forgot for a second, we've got another interesting matchup coming, which is Sophia Kennan versus Annette Contivate. Um, Annette Contivate's the big hitter, Sophia Kennan, we know she's coming back from appendicitis, as we said, has had a pretty rocky start to the season. Um, you know, she did have that great run at Roland Garros last year, so we'll see how she does. Um, I think this tournament, to see how, if Kennan can kind of fall back into some of her 2020 form, or um, if she's still going to kind of struggle to gain her footing, because Contivate's going to be a very tough opponent for her to play right off the bat in this tournament. So again, moving into our predictions for this tournament, as in Suttgart, the WTA 500 going on the week of April 18th, (laughs) (laughs) just to be specific, um, I have Ashley Barty down to win. Um, I had her for Miami also and she came through you were right she came Mm -hmm. through so why not go with it again obviously she's good on clay she won the French Open that's not something you do if you're not good on clay so Mm -hmm. why not Ashley Barty for the win no, that's that's definitely um, a good pick. I definitely see that there. I've picked Petra Kvitova, the defending champion. Um, she's been having a great season so far. She picked up that title in uh, Doha, I believe, um, where she beat Muguruza in the final. She played really well there. She's, again, been playing really solid. Um, I think that she's definitely someone who had a lot of success at Roland Garros last year as well, um, reaching... Was it the quarters or the semis? I think it was. Quarters, I think it was the semis. semis. Oh, quarters. I don't. Know. I don't know. Either way, pretty pretty deep. Um, so she can bring it on the clay as well. Uh, and she had that great win versus Brady. Um, she again faces a tough match versus Sakura in the next round. But I have faith that Petra can pull through. Um, but as far as personal favorites, people who we may or may not think could win the whole thing, but who we're really rooting for regardless. I'm picking Angelique Kerber. Uh, This is her home tournament. Um, She hasn't been having as much success in the past few years as she had maybe in like 2016, which was her kind of breakout year. Um, But she's someone I've always been a fan of. I would love to see her make a nice run. Um, She's playing doubles with Andrea Petkovic as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would love to see a little bit of a Kerber resurgence. And for me, my personal favorite is actually the same as my prediction, Ashley Barty. I don't know. There's something about the Barty party that really has me rooting for her, both with the (laughs) kind of favorites section and with the actual predictions and winning the whole thing. So I don't know. Let's see what goes on here in Stuttgart. I don't know how to say it. The WTA 500 event happening in the week of April 18th. Exactly. So next up, we have a small, smaller tournament, ATP 250, Belgrade in Serbia. So here we have some players to watch, including Novak Djokovic, Da 
I mean, blah. <laughs> Why did I say that? Why did I just say that? <laughs> um, the first seed, Matteo Berrettini, the second seed, blah, blah, blah. We've heard about him and Shravi and whatever. Hasan <laughs> Karatsev, the third seed, and Alexei Paparin. So our predictions here are for me, Aslan Karatsev. He's not one of my favorite players, I'll say that, but um, I don't know, his odds seem pretty good. He's been doing really well. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome, though. That would be awesome if he won. I'm being boring, guys. I'm going to be boring. Wow. I'm going to pick Novak Djokovic. I don't know. I looked at the field. It's not a particularly stacked field, which is why I'm very happy that Berrettini has his own half away from Djokovic <laughs> and maybe has a chance to make some inroads here. But regardless, um, it's a 250-level event. Djokovic is obviously playing it because it's in his home country slash city. Um, so that's why I picked him to win. I really don't think I need to justify that further. <laughs> um, personal favorites. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is actually kind of funny because I've picked someone totally obvious and Josephina's picked someone who's fully just not <laughs> in the tournament anymore. And she's picked him knowing that he's not in the tournament because she literally doesn't like anyone else in the draw. Um, my personal favorite to win is Berrettini. As I said, he's the second seed. He has the whole half to himself. He you know, went out in the first match at uh, Monte Carlo. Um, a couple people I know who know that I'm Berrettini fans made fun of me about that, which is kind of annoying um but i'm hoping that berrettini can do well here in singles but like wouldn't you rather they be in the same half so that you could just like rip off the band-aid why have the pain come later man <laughs> i know like i have such high expectations now and then i just know that <laughs> i'm gonna get crushed eventually josephina who's your personal favorite to win the tournament <laughs> my personal favorite may or may not have lost already today <laughs> and that personal favorite is sebastian corda definitely one of those like young guns kind of coming up from the bottom or wherever they came from i guess they were like basically just born compared to other players <laughs> so yeah sebastian corda is my personal favorite um we're not gonna talk about his results so <laughs> maybe in spirit yeah yeah all right the last tournament we've got is in a WTA 250 event happening in Istanbul right now. The players to watch that we have picked are Elise Mertens, the number one seed, Veronica Kudermatova, the third seed, um, Daria Kazakina, the fourth seed, who actually just came out with a documentary, which I've heard is very good. So if people want to check that out, um, I've heard that's been pretty awesome. And then two young guns, Marta Kostyuk and Anastasia Potapova, um, to also keep an eye on because they've been doing pretty well these past few months. And as for predictions here, I have Kudermatova down. My um, logic, once again, is kind of convoluted, and it is that nobody expects her to back up her title. So In Charleston. Exactly. So I'm going to say that she will win and back it up only because nobody thinks she can. Mm -hmm. Loving that logic. I have for the, what is this, the third tournament in a row? Or maybe three out of the four tournaments now, I've picked the number one seed to win. But not just because they're the number one seed. I actually did put some thought into it. I'm picking Elise Mertens. Looking at the field, looking at her draw, someone like Kazakina, who I think is a very strong player, or uh, was either Kazakina or Kudermatova, looking at the draw, they have a lot more difficult sections than I think Mertens does. Um, I think Mertens uh, goes into a lot of these tournaments, um, the lower level ones, kind of knowing she's the favorite and being the favorite, and she usually seems to carry that well. Uh, so yeah, I'm picking her. 
And then as for personal favorites, we have the same personal favorite once again, just like in Barcelona with Chapo. We have Marta Kostiuk. So definitely another one of those young players that we like to look out for when it comes to tournaments like these because she can definitely make a breakthrough here if it comes to it. So we're really hoping for that, you know, Gen Z pride here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so that's all for the action of tennis that we have on the week of April 18th, 2021. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've got quite a few tournaments going on compared to last week. We really just had Monte Carlo and then Charleston, too. Um, but we will keep you updated on all that is to come from this week and see if our predictions fare out well or maybe our personal faves end up winning. That would be nice, too. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of tournaments this week and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released later this week as the action in Barcelona, Stuttgart, Belgrade, and Istanbul picks up. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravia. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>